<laughs> you gotta leave that in. You cannot take that out. <laughs> so I'm gonna be so disappointed if you take that out. I'm definitely gonna take that. Welcome to the Canadian Strengthcast, a podcast where we interview Canadian athletes, coaches, and business owners in the world of strength sports. On today's episode, we have Joe Nemeth. Joe is the owner and founder of Excel Training, a strength and conditioning business that specializes in speed, where he develops athletes of all levels reach their potential. Before being an elite speed coach, Joe was an elite athlete himself, winning a Vanier Cup with McMaster Football in 2011 and being a member of Team Canada Olympic bobsleigh in 2018 Olympics. Joe knows what it takes to make it to the highest level in sport, and it shows through his coaching and the success of his athletes. We are excited to have our first Olympic athlete on the show. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. That's that's correct, right? An Olympian, not an Olympic athlete? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. It depends on who you ask. Depends who guess. you're talking depends to. Depends on who you're talking to, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind yeah. of one of those weird things, but... I don't, really, I don't really care. So. <laughs> um, so I've I've known Joe for probably seven, maybe eight years now. Um, one of my first um, experiences coaching was uh, the gym that Joe worked out at, and it was just following his um, uh, his football. It's just after his football career finished, and I think you were just entering the uh, the bobsled world uh, when you were training uh, back at SST with Nick. Um, well, yeah, here, before, here, here before we get too up. far, what Olympics yeah. did you go to? Uh, it was the uh, Pyeongchang uh, 2018 Olympics. What was that like? <laughs> just in terms of going, yeah, culture. Did you? Well, culture. you guys would have just been in the athlete village, right? Did you get a chance to go yeah. and explore? And yeah, I did. I did afterwards. Um, so I, I was there briefly for about ten days. Um, this was in like November, so then we went for international training. So. We were there. We got to like explore around a little bit. To be honest, like Pyeongchang, the place where they had the games, was kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Um, if you asked any of the, um, you know, like the shuttle drivers that would take us around to the places and everything, like they would be like, "Yeah, I don't know why they hosted the games here. There's nothing around here." <laughs> it just it could maybe be why. why. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe maybe that's it. Exactly. Maybe that's the reason. But uh, um, it uh, after after the Olympics, my my parents came out and um, we actually we took the train into Seoul. So then we got to see, you know, see the city there and get a, you know, a bit of experience with the, the culture and whatnot. Um, it, was, it was pretty cool. It was my first time uh, being into Asia in general, and uh, a lot of lot of lot of uh, a lot of food spots there, like just crammed into <laughs> really really tiny spaces. Like you go down, you know, like the little uh, you know street somewhere, and there would just be like all these food joints like packed in, stacked on top of each other. They seem to have this obsession with uh, like French culture there. So there's like French big shops and everything all over the place, and um, <laughs> it was funny. The one hot- the hotel that we stayed at, the uh, the first time we went because we weren't in the actual vill- village when we went for training. Um, they uh, there was this garden outside, this like massive garden, and it was a sign on it said it was a French garden, and so there were like models of the Eiffel Tower and you know all kinds of stuff, and then off to the side was this French petting zoo, and so there I don't know they're just French animals? animals? I guess they were French animals. I don't know. They, to me, it was just like rabbits and stuff. Like, I don't know. <laughs> rabbits and sheep and things like that. I'm like, I guess they're, I guess they're French. I don't know. That's, But uh, anyways, no, it, it was really cool. And um, um, actually, funny, funny enough, I even, like in Seoul, obviously we had, you know, typical Korean food, like Korean barbecue and all that stuff. But then uh, one night we just decided to hit up this Italian restaurant. And it was actually probably some of the best Italian I've ever had. 
So they do better. They do Italian better than Italians. <laughs> and then we went to a, a Swiss chocolate place for dessert, and the chocolate was really good. So maybe they do Swiss chocolate better than the Swiss. So Th- this was all in Seoul. This was all in Seoul. Oh, yeah. Seems very multi- multicultural there. Yeah, yeah, or multicultural influence, I guess. But uh, yeah, but it, it's pretty cool city. There's like 10 million people in it. Subway system is insane. Yeah, well, it's just like they. You look at the the map of the the roads and everything, and it just you know. Looks, you know, puts the uh, think the Toronto system to shame. It's just like, you know, like a spider web. Did you much. did you get in the tuk tuks? The tuk tuks. Yeah, you know the uh, little guy that drives with a little wagon in the back. I did not. I if did you not, have I not been in a tuk tuk, you have not held your life in your own hands. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like there's nothing more scary than going through like downtown. Like traffic there's insane. Yeah. And then you got the tuk tuk drivers that are trying to go as fast as they possibly can, and sure, it is terrifying. Where Absolutely did you, terrifying. Where did you do this? Uh, I've been to Asia a couple times. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's different. Yeah. Love it. But, you know, it makes me a little more happy to be Canadian when you get home. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I I guess I can't say I've truly experienced uh, the culture there then if I haven't been in a tuk-tuk. Yeah, tuk-tuk. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just, just don't <laughs> just, do it. Just walk. Yeah, just, just walk instead. All right. So before before you're an Olympic, an Olympian, right, before you're an Olympian, before you're Vanier champ, yes. um, did you only play football growing up? Did you play any other sports? Um, and what kind of got you, like, what made you want to play football to begin with? Yeah, I, um, when I was younger, I started playing hockey, but I, I didn't start playing until I was uh, late by, I guess, Canadian standards. I didn't start playing until I was, like, eight or nine. Oh, so. that's, that's when that's, I started playing. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, usually kids, usually kids here start when they're, like, like two. You know what I mean? They're, like, out on yeah. the ice, you know put skates on or whatever but um yeah I started playing hockey um around that time um I ran I ran track in in uh, like elementary school and and that I mostly did longer distance um why yeah no, <laughs> I know I know I know there was some there's something wrong with me about that I don't know I, I grew out of that phase so clearly so um but yeah I, I won cross country in uh, in grade eight so you're so, elite at all levels basically yeah exactly. i'm sorry i didn't yeah, mention exactly. that in your bio yeah sorry yeah, yeah. put that in there it yeah. wasn't on your wikipedia page yeah that's right <laughs> um should have brought my ribbons with me all the, the red ribbons um yeah so i yeah played hockey did some track um basically my my dad was a was a big football fan um and honestly i didn't really have that much interest in it um leading up into high school and you know but he kept kind of going yeah you should you, know, you should try it out give it a try I had a couple of friends that played. I, I went out to their practices a couple of times, and I was like, "Oh, I don't really want to get involved in this. I don't know." I was I was just like skinny little guy. I was like 120 pounds. You know what I mean, so probably shredded though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely shredded. You could see my heart beating through my chest. <laughs> it was, yeah, exactly. Shredded in the best way possible. So, um, in a very unhealthy way. Um, so, anyways, yeah, I went went to high school and uh, made the decision that okay, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give football a shot. Um, so I decided to go to tryouts. I, me, me and my, one of my buddy, good friends, we made a pact like, yeah, we're going to go try out for football. And then like the end of school came and we were supposed to go to practice. And he was like, no, nah, man, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go home. I'm like, no, you're coming with me, bro. Like, you know, we made, we made <laughs> don't a make me do you. this. Don't make me do this alone, man. <laughs> and, uh, so I went and, uh, grade nine, I basically just rode the bench the whole year. I maybe got in for a few plays here and there. What was, position did you start off at? I mean, I guess you could call me a receiver if I was anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, I maybe got on for a few plays, ran around in circles or something, didn't know what I was doing. Probably got knocked on my ass a few times. Um, but uh, then, yeah, then grade 10 was when things really took off for me in terms of football. Um, we had this training camp 
um, at Aurelia uh, in oh, the summer, uh, which my, was pretty cool. My birthplace. Actually? Yeah. Shoot. So maybe it was in your old backyard or something. I don't know. But um, but anyways, yeah, and there, um, you know, obviously I was, you know, a grade 10, so I was, you know, a, one of the big dudes on the, on, the junior, on the junior team, big, relatively speaking, still pretty small. <laughs> Um, and, uh, started playing, uh, linebacker and a little bit of running back. And then, uh, and then that season, basically it was complete opposite. I didn't get off the field. I just was on the field the entire game, uh, playing fullback of all things Yeah. at 140 pounds. <laughs> oh my God. And, uh, <laughs> like our, our tailback who played stamps at the time, he was like 160 or something like that. So he was quite a bit bigger than me, but. Um, anyways, yeah, I played fullback and, and linebacker and then every other position pretty well. And, um, yeah, and I, I guess that kind of leads into how I started training them because, um, one of our coaches who was a former running back himself, you know, you just kind of look at me and like, dude, like you're a, left. yeah, come on, man. You're, you're, you're fullback at 140. <laughs> Something's not right here. This doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and, and along that time I was like, yeah, you know what? I think I want to go, uh, you know, I, I started really liking football, um, I decided that I wanted to play Burlington Stampeders, the, the rep program there. And, um, but, you know, knew that, yeah, I definitely need to, to get bigger. And, uh, you know, started thinking about, you know, especially just talking to some of these coaches about, like, the possibility of playing university. I thought it was a pretty cool, uh, cool idea. Um, so I ended up signing up for uh, SST, the first SST. Yeah, in Burlington. In Burlington. Yeah. This was uh, at, uh, at Lord Elgin High School. So they actually ran oh, it. Oh, that's, that's where they first started, right? First started, yeah. yeah. So they ran it out of our weight room. Yeah. Um, oh, so, so that was the high school you went to? That was the high school I went to, what, yeah. What high school was it? It was Lord Elgin at the time. And okay. then part of it, halfway through, it switched to Robert Babin. Oh, okay. And then now it's closed. They closed it. So. Okay. But um, anyways, I uh, so it was run out of our small little crappy weight room that's there. That's right, yeah. Because yeah. I used to see, sometimes I'd be hanging around at school, like football practice, and I'd see these kids like walking down the halls with like, you know, 50-pound dumbbells doing pharma carries and stuff <laughs> and everything. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> you know, people like barking and yelling and stuff and everything. Probably, Steve, you know, Steve and Larry. <laughs> yeah, day, yelling right? at people, yeah. Yelling at people and stuff. And then, so anyways, yeah, I ended up uh, signing up for that. And uh, and then Steve, Steve Odanis, did my, did my first ever assessment. Oh, yeah. And, um, what was it? Uh, yeah. So then I, then I got started training and, so, uh, so that's where you were training. Like, so like right off the bat, you're basically like training with like a, a strength coach. That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you any, any sort of training before? Like were you doing bicep curls in the mirror or anything before that? No, I, I, I didn't, I didn't, didn't do touch anything. Weight. No, I, I would do like maybe like push ups and okay. sit ups and things like that. Yeah. Um, so, so that's pretty good that like, um, I mean, pretty like beneficial that your first experience training was with like good strength coaches right like it's, mm. it's pretty rare yeah. <laughs> um yeah no I, I was very fortunate in that regard and uh it was nice too because it was a great even though it was a small you know tight little space this gym it was um it was a great atmosphere because we had a lot of other um big time football players in the Burlington area that came in and, tra- and trained there um I don't know if you know the name uh Dan Brannigan at all Dan Brannigan. He went, no. he, anyways, he, he went on, he played quarterback at Queens. Okay. Um, but anyways, I remember, I remember working out there one day and seeing, seeing him walk in and I was like, holy crap, this guy's just jacked. What's <laughs> going on? And he's doing, he was doing incline, incline press with like 225. He's repping it out and stuff. And in my head at the time, I'm thinking like, this guy's like a D end or something. He's a beast <laughs> and everything. And then Larry told me, he's like, no, he's quarterback. And I'm like, quarterback. Yeah. I'm like, shoot, I better, I better pick it up. <laughs> That's what the quarterbacks look like. That's what the yeah. quarterbacks look like. I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> And, uh, it was funny the, so 
so I had my assessment with Steve and then my first session was pretty, pretty entertaining. Um, I mean, you know how, you know, Larry and Larry and Steve are, right? So, um, basically, uh, so I showed up for my workout, I get my program. And so I walk in there, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Right. So I'm asking people for help and I'm kind of like, just trying to figure stuff out. You know, your spoke your workout is supposed to be like an hour, you know, in and, in and out an hour. And I was there, like I got there, I started at like four and then now it was about like five 30. And I'm, and I'm still there, like just, just finishing up and everything. And it's chaos in there. It's busy. And Larry turns around to me and he's like, Hey, he's like, what the hell are you still doing here? And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. I said, I'm just, just, just working out. He's like, are you following your rest? I'm like, I, I think so. He's like, where's your stopwatch? Well, I, I don't know. He's like, that's it. You're on the hit list. Oh, and I'm like the hit list. I'm like, what, what is that? So he writes my name on the, on the whiteboard in the corner. And I'm like, okay, whatever that means. <laughs> so I go home. Yeah, come back, come back the next day for training, and uh, I come in, and all of a sudden I got this. There's this trainer um, by the name by the name of Drew. He was a he's a really cool guy. Um, he's he's been assigned to me. Okay, he's got a stopwatch. He's got my program, and now he's follow he's following me to every single station. You know, every exercise that I have, he's timing my breaks like to the second with the stopwatch, and counting my tempo to the second. Oh. And, and also, like, forcing me to, like, increase my weights and everything like that. And I just died. Oh. I, I was just I was just absolutely crushed that, that entire session. It was just absolutely destroyed. Um, but it, it was good because it really set the tone for me. It made me really, like, appreciate and understand, like, okay, like, this is, this is what it is. That's how you train. This, this is how you train. This is how you do it. Um, this isn't time to fool around. Like, when I get in here, I got to get, you know, get to business and, and get the hell out of here. So... Um, yeah, I, I learned my lesson pretty early on <laughs> about how to train properly. Um, that, that's good that like you, like you, you got that experience like right off the bat, because like sometimes if people don't and they don't really instill that in their like training down the road or like if someone's been training however they want for a year or so, and then they do go to a strength coach, it's hard for that coach to like, um, change their perspective or to get them to buy in on like those little details, whether it's your rest or your tempo, like even now, like when I get a guy who's 20 and he's been training, but he has never followed a tempo. Yeah. The tempo matters and it's hard, but like there's a purpose why you do certain tempos and stuff like that. And like, if you've been doing that at a young age, like you understand that. Um, and it's harder, it's, it's easier to transition if like you get like a new program or something or, um, instill that on your athletes later on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it just instills that that mentality uh, mentality early, and uh, that's something that they absolutely did a did a great job of doing. Um, you know, for a lot of for a lot of us athletes that started there was instead instilling that uh, that training mentality for sure. Um, so when you're you're training and, and you're playing um, in grade ten, you're playing a lot, um, and then like grade eleven and twelve, I assume you're still playing a lot because you've been training um, and you have all this. Uh, experience um and then you eventually went on to go play at mcmaster um what was like were they the only school interested in you were you um did you have any other like like recruit like schools trying to recruit you or um like what was that kind of process like um yeah so um i guess around i think it was in grade 11 i went to my first um like first like high school football combine they had uh, back then it was like the Danny McManus test to be the best. I don't know if you <laughs> remember that at all, but I remember McManus. Oh yeah, of course everybody remembers McManus. Yeah, Hamilton legend. Yeah. Um, 
but uh so i was encouraged to go to that just to kind of get us get a feel for what that's like i mean basically it said like yeah like don't worry about your numbers or anything like just go out and get a taste for it and everything so i was glad that i did that um and even there like there were some coaches who you know were talking to me and they were like oh you're only grade you know you're grade 11 okay well you know we're not going to talk to you right now we'll see you next year kind of thing um and uh yeah and then so basically when i played stamp so the majority of the coaching staff for the stampeders um were mac guys at the time um there are a couple queens guys as well um larry grasha who ended up being my running back coach and mac was our head coach for the stamps so he was obviously like heavily pumping mac and mac was like the big deal at the time that was the days of you know jesse lumston and um you know that kind of epic team that went on to win four straight yates cups and everything like that and so um, around that time i started going um with some of the guys on my team we would go out to the mac games um at the old uh you know the old the older stadium at the time um i guess it was yeah less less prince field and um Anyways, we go watch games and just watch, you know, Jesse basically just run 100-yard touchdowns against <laughs> teams and get taken out in the third quarter pretty much. <laughs> just absolutely demolish teams and whatnot. And um, so, you know, I, I, I really liked the campus, the atmosphere and all that stuff. Um, so there was a heavy influence there. After that, you know, um, I decided, you know, for a while I was kind of like, oh, well, maybe I want to go, like, abroad. Maybe I want to go out east. Maybe I want to go out west, whatever. So I started looking at some other places um and then later on um it was interesting i kind of like came around back full circle again i started looking in ontario and um really at the end of the day what it came down for me was it became it was between mac and queens those were the two schools that were after me the hardest um there were a few other schools as well but they were the ones that were uh you know really really interested um, had, you know, formal visits, you know, stayed over and all that stuff and did that stuff with them and, uh, you know, sit downs and chats with the coaches and all that. And, uh, I mean, uh, during that time and being a recruit's fun, like when you're being scouted and there was just blowing smoke up your ass oh, and yeah. everything. Like I always say to anyone that's being, you know, any high school guys being recruited, it's like, you know, take advantage, just go enjoy you know. it. Yeah. Like there was always like the, the bishops recruiting trips that were legendary. I, I, I never had the pleasure of going on them, but I mean, I'm sure you can talk to Nick about, yeah. about, about those. Cause, oh, yeah. um, yeah, th- those were a riot apparently, but, um, anyways, uh, yeah. It, it, so it really became, it came down to those two schools. Um, and I'd say the, the difference between them for me, um, was uh one was academics um both had both had kin programs that's why i wanted to go into kinesiology um max at the time um you know was a little more uh they, they had just switched it over to more of a science-based uh there's always like a bachelor of science kinesiology um so i liked that aspect of it they also just had built the david braley center um it was basically freshly built at that point the new, the new stadium was almost finished um, at the time, whereas Queens, it was kind of like, yeah, we have plans to to build this stuff. Um, and they're like, yeah, it'll be ready. Yeah, it'll be ready in your third year. Meanwhile, like, if you look at it, I think it, it was eventually built. But, I mean, I would have been well out of school by the time it finally came up, right? Um, I think that's, like, the most typical university thing ever. Oh, yeah, like, sure. anything they build is, like... Yeah, it'll be two years, and it's like you don't even get to experience it as a student. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, you're, you're an alumni, like gone three years and it's like oh look at that oh they built it finally good um yeah i would have liked to uh would have liked to been there but um it's so so that was one aspect of it um and then i just say like i mean there was a feeling about like obviously being around 
the Mac campus felt more felt more like home to me. And also, um, I just I, I liked the the mentality that they were approaching me with. I felt clean, Queens at the time. Um, I felt like they were blowing like blowing a lot of smoke up my ass, like saying like, "Oh yeah, like you're gonna you know you're gonna play right away. You're gonna do this. Like oh, we got your jersey ready for you. Like stuff like this." And talking very, I, I it came across to me as kind of like elitist about the school. Like, yeah, you can go to like Mac or whatever, or you can go to the you know Western or whatever. But you go to Queens, you know. Um, and I don't know something about that rubbed me the wrong way. Um, whereas when I sat down with uh, Coach Potasic, who was a big uh, influence on me going there, um, it was simply just like, hey, listen, like you know, all those schools that you could possibly go to, they're all great places. You're gonna get an amazing education, and you're gonna have fun playing football there. Um, we just want to show you what we have to offer. We obviously are very interested in you, and we think that you have the ability to uh, contribute right away. Um, but we simply just want to – we basically – what I'm offering you is a, is a chance to compete. I'm giving you an offer to compete for, for a spot on this team. And that's all I really wanted to hear. I didn't want to hear any other of that fluff and, and bullshit. I just wanted – just give me an opportunity to compete for a spot. And uh, so I, li- I liked that, that message of it. Obviously, I had Coach Larry, who would be my running back coach there. Um, it, it just, it just felt like a good fit. So that was really why I chose to, to go there. I think that's, that's the athletic, athletic mentality right there. Like, I don't know how many recruiting trips that I've had athletes go on or it's like, you know, they're blowing smoke. Oh yeah. And every athlete just wants the chance to compete. Yeah. Right. And that's what it is. And, but it's, it's those guys are the guys that move on and play pro or move on to the next level. When the guys that go to a recruiting trip is like, yeah, we're going to give you this, 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 this. You're going to start right away. You're start right away. That's Those like are the guys number that, one thing. you yeah. know what, they never live up to that potential or they never, because they don't have that hunger and that desire to compete. And yeah, and that's why you were able to go there and succeed and obviously move on to something even bigger and better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I didn't, I didn't want to be given anything. That wasn't like the, and not to say that they would have, they would have just like handed me stuff at Queens, but I, did, I didn't like that mentality. It's like, I want to, I want to earn whatever it is that, what I'm going to get. Yeah. Go and kick the wall down, man. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And I had high aspirations going into my first year. Like I, my goal was I wanted to start, I wanted to start at running back my first season. And I, I ultimately accomplished that. I did that. Um, but you know, that was, I was very, very driven and worked very hard to achieve that. Yeah. And I think like part of the reason you might've been driven was because Max said they're, they're giving you opportunity to compete for that. If, if like maybe Queens said, yeah, yeah, you're going to start right away and then you don't start like that's a huge shot to your confidence and ego, which maybe can affect you like later on, whether it's like, um, in your third or fourth year, or maybe like in like when you eventually got into bobsled, like it it could affect your confidence in, in those ways as well. Because sometimes I see these kids and they, they, it's, it's good to have the goal of starting, but if they're promised it and they expect it so much, they can like drastically affect your confidence. Yeah. Worst thing a coach can do is make a promise like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because if if I promise you you're gonna come in and start, and then you come in 15 pounds overweight and you're just terrible, yeah. and then I don't start you, now I'm a liar. Yeah. And I'm for sure. moving forward trying to recruit the next class. That like rumor or reputation of oh yeah he lied to me when he was recruiting when he, you know what I didn't lie to you you just came in fat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, so true. anybody who's a recruiter out there like it's all the time yeah I, I probably you're gonna be the number one guy or you're gonna you're my go-to guy mm. well no you had to earn it man yeah like if i want to be a recruiter moving forward don't don't make that promise like it's simple yeah you're setting yourself up for failure i think as yeah. a recruiter like and 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 then for the kids yeah potentially for disappointment because the other thing too about that is like there's so much that's outside of your control yeah and the coach's control even right it's like you might you might i mean for for me like i'm 
obviously I worked really hard and, you know, I earned the spot, but I, I also walked into a really good uh, situation there. Like they had just, they were two great backs um, that were there the season before that left. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of them, Jordan Casino, went off to go play rugby for a few years. He ended up coming back um, a few years later. And then it was like the two of us were kind of the, the, you know, the team in the backfield. But um, that opened up a big a big hole for me to to kind of to step into. There were a bunch of us kind of competing for it, but I mean, yeah, if I walked in and maybe there was some other stud running back recruit that comes in from somewhere else and maybe he gets the job, I don't know, right? Or just, like, God forbid, an injury yeah, or like maybe the, or, the pace of play, you're not used to it quite yet and it takes yeah. you a little bit of time and plays and stuff like that. There's a lot of factors that like are outside of your control sure. that, that go into that too. Yeah. The one thing I will say is that, and this is what I tell uh young athletes all the time, especially on the football side of things. It's like the fact that I, I trained through high school and started, you know, I mean, really, I wish I started earlier. I mean, I think everyone said I that and everybody, no, everybody no matter like that. what age people train at, like everyone wishes they started earlier. A hundred percent. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I'm thankful I started when I did, um, because I always say like a big reason why I was able to go in and contribute so much right away was because, because I was physically ready to play at that level. I, I went in with other running backs, some of whom you know, I would say are arguably more talented than I was um, naturally and whatnot, but just physically didn't have what it took um, to compete at that level. Um, so all I really had to worry about at that point was I just had to learn. I just had to catch up mentally to the speed of the game, and I just had to like learn the system. Um, and then they're more likely to, to put you in, and then you get chances and, and everything like that. So that's something that's within your control, every athlete's control you know, in high school and at that level is, is to – you know, get yourself in, in, in the gym, train, get yourself with a good strength coach and, and, and train properly so that you're physically ready uh, for the next level. What's that saying you have, Derek? Preparation meets opportunity? Is that Vic- your thing? Victory loves preparation. Victory loves Ooh, preparation. That is yeah. my thing. Yeah. Patent. Patent. Wow. <laughs> How many victories that's, that's do you have? Like I don't remember the last time I've lost anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> August weight loss challenge. All victories. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you had a pretty successful, uh, career with McMaster, um, Vanier cup champs. Um, is that that the last time McMaster's won it? Uh, yeah, it was, it's the only time that we've won it. Oh, it's the only time McMaster's won it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, was that in your final year? Yeah, that was in my, that was in my fifth season there. Yeah. Okay. So how was that as like a, like the first ever and the only like, Vanier championship what what kind of what was that like especially being your last year your last opportunity for it yeah I mean the whole thing was pretty pretty wild it was a, it was a pretty crazy journey just that that year in general um obviously yeah, I was back for my fifth season it's like your your victory lap your swan song or whatever and um I guess yeah at the end of the day you're always kind of I don't know you see through the, the years like every fifth year kind of has their like their last game yeah and, and it's like the Basically, you know, the, the game in the playoffs, some of that where you lose, you get knocked out, and they kind of, like, sulk their heads and walk off the field. Guys are crying and stuff and everything, and it's, you know, sad, emotional time, and you kind of, like, see that off in the distance, like some movie, mov- you know, movie moment or something like that. Mm-hmm. You see that off in the distance looming over you, I guess. But, um, yeah, it, uh, it started off the year um, – it was interesting because, like, we the expectations uh, weren't – I don't know. I don't say we were super high at the beginning because the the year before we arguably on paper had a more talented team, um, at least in terms of like our offensive line on paper, um, and uh, we ended up getting uh, beaten in the semifinals by Western, and then 
uh, we came into this this new season. We had almost an entirely brand new O line, except for one one guy, uh, Jamie Diros, who went to go play with the Tiger Cats briefly. I went to high school with him. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah. 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 At uh, at Bray Buff, right? Uh, or no, uh, STM. Oh, STM. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, great dude. And um, anyways, so a, rare, a very untested O line group. Um, we still had uh, you know our quarterback uh, Kyle Quinlan, who was you know the best quarterback in the country at the time. And, you know, poised to go on to win the High Crichton. And um, anyways, we started off, we, you know, we won our first game um, against Queens, I think it was. And then second game of the season, we had what we hosted Western and we just got thumped. It was, it was rough. We just got blasted. They had this rookie running back at the time, Tyler Varga, who ended up actually going down, um, down south to play at Yale. And then, and then he, and then he played, he actually was, he played a preseason game with the Colts. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah. he's very. He was, he, his parents were bodybuilders. And, uh, <laughs> he was. He was like a 220 pound rookie. Like a seven. <laughs> Genetic lottery. Yeah. Genetic lottery. Yeah. 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 He was just. He was just a beast, and and very well balanced runner, and he just ran all over us. And um, no pun intended. No. No pun intended. Speed coach Joe Nemeth. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, good point. Um. So, anyways, yeah, we got blasted, and then um, we ended up having a uh, a social gathering. After the uh, after the the game, it was our uh, rookie, uh, we'll say, welcoming uh, get together. Well, that way, no hazing children. No hazing children. No, that didn't happen. No, no broomsticks or anything like that. <laughs> um, and uh, so, anyways, the uh, you know we had our get together. Basically, the way it works there is that we uh, like the the rookies are tasked with uh, making skits about the vets. So you like spend training camp digging up as much dirt as you can on the vets, and then you do a little skit and everybody cheers and whatnot. And, <laughs> Yeah, there's some waters flowing around and everything, I guess. But <laughs> anyways, it, um, so uh, anyways, at, at the end of the night, um, there ended up being an altercation that occurred that involved um, our quarterback um, involving an undercover cop. He ended up being charged. And uh, anyways, it uh, we came in to, I think it was the practice kind of the next day or the couple, the couple days after. And uh, we found out that what had happened and that basically that, you know, our quarterback was going to be, he was going to be suspended, uh, for a few weeks. And so we we're going to be without, you know, our best player, uh, for the next few weeks. And we had, I think a couple like, uh, reasonably tough matchups coming up. And I'd say like, it was like at that point where everything kind of changed for us. Um, because during those few weeks, all of a sudden, like, you know, we couldn't rely on Kyle's arm anymore. Um, now that that O-line group really had to step up, um, because we needed to run the ball a lot more now. Um, and, uh, and all of a sudden now like special teams and field position, everything became super important. And so everybody, it was like the, the group, the team as a whole, like really came together and it was, it was very unique in terms of that. Like there was, I would say like there was no ego on that team. Like everybody had a role and regardless of what it was, um, everybody embraced it and did their job to the fullest. Even, even the, the backups, um, I remember the backup offense, they called themselves the bandits. (laughs) And so they'd be like, all right, bandits, let's fire it up, boys. And they'd be like, wow. They'd be, you know, getting all fired up and everything. And they'd go in there, you know, do their reps and everything. But that was, that was the mentality. It was like everyone mm-hmm. was just fired up to do their mm-hmm. job. And we'd watch film after games, and it would be like we'd be watching someone rip down on, on, on kickoff and blow somebody up, and everybody get fired up and cheer and stuff. And, you know, and everybody just embraced that. And so we, we, we won those next three games, and they were real, like, character wins for us. And then Kyle came back, and you know you could tell like he felt terrible about, about you know the mistake he made. We all make mistakes, and he wanted to, you know, prove himself and make up. 
for everything and, and he just like he was just a machine when he came back like his first game back he threw for like 500 yards it was insane and then from that point on it was just like it was something like i'd never experienced in my years at mac where it was like all of a sudden it was just like at will we could just end games it would just be mm -hmm. like you know first quarter we you know 14-7 or something and then it was like at some point all of a sudden we would just flip a switch and be like all right boys you want to just win this okay <laughs> and then we drop like 28 points on them and like by the beginning of the third quarter it was just over mm -hmm. you know what i mean and so we just kind of like blew our way through the remainder of our season and then ultimately ended up facing western again um in the yates and this time it was it was completely different like it was close for like the first half and then we just completely flipped the switch, flipped the switch and just did away with them and crushed them on their home field which was an amazing feeling for sure. Yeah. Especially at Western. Oh yeah. And, um, yeah. So then, you know, we won the Yates, we ended up doing kind of cross country tour. We flew out to out East to, uh, Moncton, New Brunswick, yeah. um, to play Acadia. What was that, um, trophy for? That was the, the What's Utech, the, the Utech, Bowl. Utech, yeah, 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 the Utech. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, um, was that your first game where you had to fly to and like, yeah. yeah. How was that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was uh, it was good. I mean, it was a unique experience. I mean, fortunately, it wasn't like a massive. I, I think I don't know if we jumped forward an hour or something like that. It wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah. anything crazy, but um, but anyways, it was a cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a cool experience, and we uh, we we thumped those guys, <laughs> um, and then uh, and then we got our ticket to the Vanier, which was in Vancouver. Um, so we played in in BC place, um, and we played against uh, Laval. Oh, so, okay. You know, the the big boys. The yeah. big boys, right? Yeah. And, um, but the interesting thing there too is like, so at the beginning of the season before, uh, this was at the end of training camp, uh, we actually, so we received an invitation from them to go out to Laval, um, prior to the season. Um, it's kind of their thing they, they do. They invite like the, who they, I guess, deem to be the next challenger or whatever to, <laughs> you know, they welcome them in to their, you know, big, big gates, black gates, and they welcome them in or something, you know, <laughs> black gates of Laval. And, um, anyway, so we, we were there for like a day of practice and then we had a scrimmage uh, the next day. And I'd say for us, that was a really great opportunity because obviously there's this aura around Laval and notoriety. And, you know, after the first practice, like you realize after doing one-on-ones and stuff and everything with these guys, you're like, oh, well, they're just, they're just other football players and we can, we can hang with these dudes. You know, obviously some of them are older and everything, but you know, it didn't seem to matter. And, and the, the next day in the game, like starters versus starters in the first half, like we were actually ahead going into, into halftime. Um, then after that, like we started putting the backups in and then that's where you really see like the depth of their program. Like their backups are basically their starters again, <laughs> just the same version, you know, different version of their starters. Carbon copies. Carbon like, copies yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Probably the same names and everything too. Just doppelgangers. And, uh, and then they just kind of ran away with it there. But you know, the thing is like the point was made and the lesson was learned on our part. So the nice thing is that we walked into that stadium and like we, we, you know, we knew who these guys were already. Um, and yeah, what, what happened that day was, is still, I mean, this is including the Olympics is still one of the wildest things I've ever been a part of in sport. It was just the craziest game. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched it at all or anything, but it was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Can you still replay like every moment of that game in your in, back in your head? Uh, like ma ma many moments. Yeah. And there's some things I'm sure I've forgotten. There was just too much that happened. Like I, I can't even, it just pretty much everything that you would expect to happen in a football game pretty much happened. Um, like we, we came out, came out flying there. It, it was great because they, at that time they had paired, they were pairing the, the great cup with the Vanier cup. 
um, in terms of the, the the venue, yeah, which is a great idea because then it, it draws fans and everything to the to the Vanier Cup. Mm-hmm. So we had like three thousand fans uh, for this game, and like I mean, the biggest crowd I played for it before that was like <laughs> like ten thousand. Yeah, you know what I mean, so you're just like, holy crap! Like, it's like, <laughs> a lot of people in here. It's just loud. Yeah, I can't hear. And um, you know, uh, it was just yeah, tensions were super high. Like I remember we ran we we ran out of the tunnel. Laval ran out first. We ran out of the tunnel and we were there at midfield doing our cheer. And then the, the entire Laval team lined up across their sideline. And then they walked as a team out to midfield, I guess, like as their like challenge or whatever. And then, you know, we turned around, everyone's yelling back and forth at each other and everything. And it was kind of like, all right, this is, it's, it's on. Like, this, <laughs> this, is, this is the real deal. It's going to be a fight. And it, and, it, and, it, and it was violent. Like I remember just like on certain plays, like, you know, getting in kind of in scrums with guys and they were like feeding punches and piles and stuff. Like it was just, it was just getting, it was getting crazy. And we, we, we went up, we went up 28, nothing. Oh shit. Yeah. We, we did, we just absolutely just punched them in the face. Right off the bat. <laughs> like, uh, was it 20, 28 or 23, nothing. I can't remember, but, um, basically we went up a few scores on them early. Yeah. I think it was 23, 23, nothing. And, uh, you could tell like they were just, they went into halftime, just like shell shot, like, yeah. you know, what the hell just happened. You know, just big plays all around, interceptions, huge catches. Um, but then the thing is, then they came out second field, second half, and like we knew they were gonna come storming back, and they did. They came back and like tied it up. Yeah. And it was like you know, interception for a touchdown, punt return touchdown. We had we had like a long, a long like eighty yard touchdown pass that went all the way to the house, got called back for a oh. hold. Um, our our quarterback Kyle like had an incredible game. Like he was just running all over the place. He hurdled a guy. He he jumped full on, jumped over a guy, and kept running. um we uh yeah so it it got really tight um yeah he was like throwing blocks and stuff he like he he did like a like a peel bat block on a guy and like you know like you know blew his helmet off almost and um anyways it came down to we were tied and then we had chance for a game-winning field goal and then uh our boy tyler crepina who's who's you know had a nice career now in the cfl and everything uh, had a little misstep on on the oh. kick and uh, uh, it went it went wide and uh, so they returned it out of the end zone and we ended up going to overtime. Uh, ended up going into double overtime. Oh shit! And um, again, just crazy plays like even like on because you basically you do kind of the um, like the shootout approach where each team gets a chance on I think it's thirty five going in uh, to score. And, you know, I think we had scored on our first possession and then, and then they had an opportunity and then it was like, they had a penalty and it was like second and 20 or something. And then they just like hucked up a bomb. The guy caught it in the back of the end zone. It, it just like the game that would just never end. <laughs> and, uh, and then finally they, they had their possession of the second overtime quarterback was peeling out through it. One of our DBs, Stevie Ventresca stepped in front of it, picked it off. And then and then and then started like lateraling it like they were, they were, it was like uh you know like the play from uh, I can't remember the the school at Cal I think it is like the you know what I'm talking about yeah where it's the, like, the, like a the million, five laterals yeah. and the band comes on the field and oh, stuff yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it was like that they're just like lateraling the ball back and forth and running the field and everyone's like what's going on what are they doing and everything I'm pretty sure they they should have just like dropped to the ground because I don't think at that point yeah they, like, I think it just you know we would have just gotten the ball but I yeah. mean it was entertaining nonetheless yeah and then uh, and then yeah we got the ball back we you know, moved into field goal position and then, you know, Tyler doesn't miss twice. So, um, yeah, I put it right down the pipes and we won. It was just, yeah. Insane. Yeah, absolutely insane. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Super wild. That's, that'd be like an amazing end to like, a um, like, a any sort of career, like, uh, coming out on top. 
did you have like was CFL in, in your mind? Like I know you're wearing East West Ball CIS shirt. I don't oh, know yeah, if that yeah. was planned or not. But um, <laughs> how appropriate. Okay. <laughs> um, you you went to the East West Bowl. I did. Yeah. 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 Did you have any sort of CFL like looks or any sort of like did you want to did, did you enter the draft? Um, yeah, I, I didn't. Uh, so I yeah I went to East West Bowl. Um, I had talked to my like through like coach Potasic and stuff, I had learned that, Oh, there's, you know, I think Calgary was interested in me, um, in my last season and, uh, and the tie cats. And then I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get drafted. Um, I went back for my, my final season and, um, basically after, you know, the Vanier and all that stuff, I started training for like combines, like they kind of like the regional combines yeah. or whatever now. Yeah. So, um, so I went and, and did those, um, and ended up getting, um, a private workout, or like, you know, an invited workout from the Thai Cats. So it was me and a, and a few other, uh, few other athletes, undrafted athletes um, that were there. Um, I felt like it went really well. Um, ultimately didn't get, uh, didn't get an invite to a camp. Um, but I, I did have aspirations. I did want to try to, you know, get into a camp and maybe get on a roster. Um, but that ultimately ended up then leading into my bobsleigh career. Um, not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. because uh, basically at the time I, I had already talked to there because there were a couple of guys that I played with at Mac that I had done bobsleigh. Um, they had uh, you know been on kind of like the development teams or whatever uh, in the kind of the previous years, and then obviously Jesse had gone on, and I and I, and I knew Jesse so my days at Mac. And um, anyways, they they had said yeah you should you know you should give it a shot. There was a bobsleigh combine happening at Mac. Um, you know sometime in like august or something like that and again like i had just done that tie cat workout i was waiting to see oh am i gonna get into camp or not um and then i saw oh well there's this bobsleigh combine coming up um i'm in combine shape I guess. yeah i've been training for combine yeah. so like why not i might as well go and uh anyways uh yeah I, I i went to that combine um you know tested pretty well they liked what they saw um ended up getting a call from somebody out west in calgary they said hey you want to you know we have our push testing in a couple of weeks you want to come out and learn how to push a sled and everything i was like yeah sure i guess and so you know i just packed up all my crap and i just began that adventure never looked back <laughs> never never looked back pretty well yeah um we, we already kind of touched on the like the the olympics and um being in uh south korea um, but what was that whole, like, so this is 2012, 2011 right now, right? When you're like, yeah, 20, yeah, 2012, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was it like trying to make a bobsled team or like, what was it like you were in development and then were you team Ontario and team Canada? Like how long was it until you're on like the world champ circuit? Um, it took, uh, it took a couple of years. Um, I was like initially, yeah, like the, basically like the development team. Like I was on, I was a part of the national program the whole time. Um, but yeah, so I was like national development, um, initially and, um, kind of a couple of like awkward seasons just cause even my first season, uh, my, uh, the pilot that I was uh, sliding with ended up getting popped for taking a banned substance. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I think I remember that. Yeah. And so that kind of like ruined our, our, our season. <laughs> yeah. So don't, don't have a pilot. You have nobody to drive. I'm not driving. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, you, know you don't want, you don't want me to drive crash if you run. Um, and then, uh, so then I ended, I ended up coming home for the second half and then, you know, working and training whatever. The next year after that was the Olympic year, the 2014 Olympic year. Um, 
because I mean, I, I was new to the sport. I wasn't in, I wasn't in the running. You weren't in the running a spot, right? So, um, you know, more of the focus was on that and less on what was going on in development. I did have the opportunity though to, I got invited to go out to, to Sochi pre Olympics for like the international training to help mm. prepare some of the pilots get runs down the track yeah. in Sochi, which is, which is a cool experience. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then after that, and I think it was the following year, 2014 it was like the first year of like, they, they do it in like quads. Yeah. Right. Like, so the first year of the new quad was when I finally like broke onto like the world cup, uh, world cup circuit. Um, so <laughs> funny enough, my, I initially started, uh, sliding with, uh, so this was the year that, uh, Kaylee Humphreys, our female pilot. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So she wanted to, she wanted to, basically the idea is that they wanted to start, there's no, there's no women's foreman. And so she's like, you know, one four everything. Person. Four person. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> remember that. Damn it. Um, so, you know, there's, there's no women's four person bobsleigh. And, um, so she made, she kind of, uh, you know, was appealing to the, you know, the IBSF and everything that, oh, they're, you know, the, the problem is that in the female sport, there, there just aren't enough athletes for them to, to make a competitive four man field. Yeah. Um, so anyways, but she managed to, obviously she knows the, you know, the, you know, the director of the organization well and everything, and they managed to swing it so that, um, you know, four man bobsleigh would now become four person bobsleigh. And so now females were allowed to compete with the guys. Um, and so she decided that she was going to pilot four man that year. And so I, uh, basically I, I became, she approached me about being on her four person crew, handpicked four person crew. And so it was me and a couple of other, a couple of dudes, um, that were on her, her sled. And so we had to like, go on this big adventure to qualify because you have to qualify your sled for world cup. We did that. And, uh, so the first half of the season I was, yeah, well, I think we only had one race before Christmas that year, um, in Calgary. So we, you know, we raced and, uh, I was actually pretty proud of how, how, how quick we pushed actually with just, you know, with, uh, I mean, no, no offense to, to Kaylee, but like, it's, you know, there's just, there's just biology playing, playing in fact there, like, her, she, while she's a beast for female athletes, yeah. an absolute beast, and like, she would, she would, she runs and lifts, runs faster and lifts heavier than, I would say, like a large percentage of like even like male female male population, male, yeah. male population, yeah, 100%. definitely. It's like when you compare her to the best male pilots in bobsleigh or male like, like uh, yeah, like they're pilots, but they're like stronger and faster. Exactly, yeah. and, and it's, just, it's just reality, right? incredible competitor and incredible bobsleigh pilot absolutely like she could drive with anybody there's no question about that um so that was the first half season then all of a sudden there was an opportunity opened up for me there was an injury on canada one on justin cripps sled and so i got bumped up to canada one and i raced with them for kind of the bulk of the second half um in europe uh, which was a really cool experience and uh and then world champs ended up racing ended up racing again with uh with kaylee and world champs uh we crashed on our second run so oh. uh, so if you ever want to see a video of me and a bobsleigh crash you, it's on youtube is that your first crash oh is no. that your only oh okay no no i've been in about eight or nine. Oh, okay so like, <laughs> what's is, is a crash harder than like hurt more the next day than like a football game uh i mean i guess it depends on how bad the how bad the crash is like um that that one particularly wasn't that wasn't that bad because we actually we crashed and then we flipped back up again oh, okay. shortly after but probably probably the worst crash i've been in is there's a track uh the lake placid track it's 20 corners and we crashed in corner eight 
And so the problem oh. is, is that you go all the way down the track, right? There's so, no 12 corners you got there. <laughs> yeah, you still got a lot of time. And, 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 that's and, just math. And, and that's not math even, guy. And that's not, yeah, like, exactly. so that's why you got this guy here. Right? Just do, do the quick math. Yeah. Right? And uh, but the thing is, like on that track in particular, it's a very technical track. Like you can actually crash at a corner too, and there are people that will crash at a corner too. Uh, most people will try to bail out, but there are some people that have stayed in, and like that's that's a terrible ride. Yeah. Because, oh. But like even that, like alone, like. Cause like that was in two man and in two man, like there's no like seatbelt or anything holding you in. Right. So like basically when you go around a corner, there's G forces that push you down into the sled. Right. So now you're upside down. So what are they doing? And now those G forces are pushing you out of the sled and you're trying to stay in. So you're like holding on to like the axle of the sled and you're just, you know, forearms are getting crushed and your back and your helmet's just like getting shaved down on the, on the ice. And then, and then you stop and you're like, okay, this is over. But then like the, the end of the track slopes up. So then you start going backwards. So now you're sliding backwards. You're like, you're like shit. Like I'm going bone backwards now. And then I think like at that point I just like I managed to pop my head out, and I and I and I slipped out, and the sled just went whoosh, right and like fl- flew back down with the, with the pile. And I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like see, I'm you like, see you later. I'm out of here, buddy. You have fun in there, yeah. And uh, so that, that was probably the probably the worst one uh, that I've been in. But it, it's uh, yeah, it, it can it can be uh, not very nice. That's for sure. We'll put it that way. But, uh, yeah. did you do primarily four man or did you do two man also? Um, yeah, I did. I did mostly, mostly four man. Um, I did, I did some two man here and there. Like that year I, I did a two man, I did a two man race with Nick that year. Um, Nick Paulinato and, um, which was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, through the years, like the odd race here and there, I might do some two man, but I wasn't like a designated two man guy. So if you're, <clears throat> sorry, if you're in four yeah. man, yeah, you push and you get in the slide. I know nothing about bobsled. <laughs> that's right. I've seen it on the Olympics and that's it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's about it. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you you push, you jump in, and then when are you just going for a ride or do you gotta do something in there? Um, yeah, you're basically just going for a ride. If you're not, I mean, if you're the pilot, then you got you you have a big responsibility ahead of you. <laughs> um, so I hope you're doing something. But, um, but if playing you're playing Clash of Clans in the back, playing Clash in the back or something, <laughs> yeah, that that that'd be Tim. You just hear like gems going, you know, something in the background. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're crew, you're basically, you're getting in, you're just trying to make sure that you're sitting as low as possible. You're not moving around. I think it's, it's handy to know which way the corners go just so that you don't, you're not like ragdolling around in the sled and potentially like kind bobblehead. Of yeah. Bobblehead. <laughs> like you see some guys like, like whacking their head off the cowling and stuff. You want to like keep aerodynamic profile and everything. Like they do all like wind tunnel testing and everything too. So like trying to figure out which, you know, which helmets are best, which, you know, profile when you're sitting is best, how much the effect of somebody sitting like an inch higher makes versus not, it, it, it all makes a difference. Um, so yeah, basically at that point, you're just trying to, trying to sit pretty, I guess. Um, and then if you're, um, if you're on the brakes, so in the foreman, if you're at the very back, uh, you stop the sled, uh, when it comes to the finish, basically it's just two handles, the, you pull them, the teeth come down into the ice and you're basically like, depending on the track, if it's not a very steep braking stretch, you're basically max deadlift out of the back of the sled. So you're like straight legged, pushing on. You got like foot pedals, and you're just like crushing it in the back. Everybody else is kind of just like, ah, like, waving, looking at the time. Yeah, all right, cheering and this and that, and you're just like, ah, you know, trying, try, trying to stop the sled. They don't even realize that like you know you're saving their lives pretty well. Um, whereas if it's a were you a brake man? Uh, I was, I, I mean, I, I've done every position, uh, depending on the year. How do they determine who goes where? Is it just like, like draw straws? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's more. Yeah. Yeah. They got wind tunnels, but they're just drawing straws. <laughs> yeah, for position. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Here, I don't know. You, 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 you want to go too? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So basically, 
like later later on in my career, so like say like Olympic year, I was like kind of like a designated like side guy. So usually two or th- sitting two or three. Typically speaking, usually your your brakeman, uh, your brakeman, and you, I mean your number three guy has to be pretty has to be really fast as well. Like your brakeman's usually usually put one of your speedsters on the back. They have the furthest to run, so you want somebody that's going to be able to contribute to the sled uh, for a really long time. So that might be your like former track sprinter um, who's on the back. The the side guys. Um, they're not running as long, still running for a fair distance, but you know, they're, they're really getting that sled moving off the line. And then it's, it's a very, uh, precise and technical entry into the sled. You have to at full speed without like chop stepping, you have to cross over step onto a bunk. That's about the width of your foot. And then you have to, then from there, very delicately, like, you know, jump over the bunk and like get into this position. And, and I mean, you have two, you have four, like 220 pound plus, men shoved into this like tiny little sled it's there's not a lot of space and so you're trying to get in there if you're number two you're trying not to disturb the pilot the pilot's usually already kind of down in his seat so i'm just trying to get in very softly (laughs) behind them and then you know you sit down in your seat so it's it's a lot of timing and precision on the side so usually you have people that are more experienced um that go on 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 the sides um and then like the back is somewhere you can stick someone who's brand new you can go okay you just go on the back because the entry into the sled you just except they got to stop you except they got to stop you so (laughs) so, yeah they got to know yeah they got to know the end of the track and you you know there's been a lot of scenarios of you know guys like brakes brakes you know yelling behind them brakes because the person's still like tucked down they still think they're going they're like brakes that's terrifying and you're you're just like rocketing through the brake stretch and like you'll be you'll be on the finish dock taking your sled off and you'll know when that's happening because you'll just see this like like just ripping past the dock you're like oh there we go yeah there they go <laughs> and there have been scenarios where like sleds have like gone off the end of the braking stretch oh like, like onto like the street or something and it's just yeah it's just chaos that's yeah like, that's like a simpsons episode just shoots out across the highway yeah pull into uh, two martins yeah we'll pretty, have a- <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah pretty much go through the drive-thru or something like so that basically so. if you're two and three you push and then your lot your life is in the the driver's hands and the brakeman's hands. Oh uh, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, and like and and the ride and the funny thing too is that the the ride and the sled is drastically different, drastically different depending on where you sit. So like the first time I ever went down in the in the format, I think I went down sitting three, and um, you know like it's fairly a rocky ride. You're going faster in the format, and then like the next day of format, they stuck they stuck me on the brakes. And I sat on the brakes and I just got like the shit kicked out of me the entire run. And I was like, holy Christ. And I got out of the bottom and I was like, I was like, man, that was a, that was a, that was a rough run. Eh? And he's like, no, that was great. Like, like that, that was a good run. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so like the, it's like sitting in the back of the school bus, right? Maybe your kid, you sit in the back of the school bus, you go over a bump, boom, right? Your head hits the ceiling, right? It's the same thing in the foreman, you know, sitting only like a foot back. It makes such a difference. Whereas if you sit too, that's like the money, the money spot. Like you're just, you're just cruising. Like you, you feel the G's for sure, but you're just kind of, you're, you're back there. You're just kind of, you can, you can see what's going on and everything. Whereas the other guys are just like cr- crunched in there. You know, just hanging off your dear life and everything. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting for sure. Um, all right. So you you go to the Olympics in 2018. Um, do you want to do another quad? Are you considering it at this point in time, or are you like, no, I want to kind of like move on to like another stage in my life? Like, what's after the Olympics? Are you planning on doing like world champion champions again? Um, uh, no, 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 no plans to do that. I was, I mean, I, I thought about maybe returning the, the year after the games, but, uh, decided like if, it's, if you're not in it for the full four years, is it like worth it or no? Yeah. I mean, really it's, um, I mean, a lot of times what happens is people after the Olympic year, they'll take off, 
for you know a couple seasons and then they'll you know return like kind of like the season before um that's usually what you need to do like you know unless you're you know some of like the real stupid like the real superstar uh push athletes that can sometimes just walk in the year of or whatever um you, you got to be you got to be invested into it to some degree it's not uh you know easy just to walk in i mean uh even for me like the like for the the pyeongchang games like i I basically I had to miss a season just prior to the Olympic year because uh, I I almost completely severed my Achilles. I remember the Achilles injury. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I missed the whole season. Um, and then even that, just to come back from that and scratch and claw and fight my way back um, into you know into the team was 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 hard enough as it was. Yeah. You know what I mean, so it, it's very yeah, it's it's very challenging to do that. But um, yeah, no no yeah, no plans yeah to do that. Okay, so when you you hang up the cleats, spikes. the spikes, you hang up the spikes and the the suit. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, suit, yeah, I the guess, suit, yeah, the speed suit. Yeah. <laughs> the suit is hot too. It is hot. Yeah. It is hot Quads yeah. and hamstrings. Yeah. Are great. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They're popping. Yeah. Um, and you, so you retire. Um, and then did you know coaching was in your, in your like future? Like, what made you want to be like a strength coach and ultimately like your I would say you're most known for being speed coach, but like, I mean, strength coach kind of specializing in speed. Um, did you know that that's what you wanted to do? Yeah, I, I think I did. I, I, I mean, I, I had already at that point been, uh, like in my third year university, I, I was already starting to work as a strength coach. I, I started working at, at SST as a coach while, you know, and, um, so I, uh, you know, I, I knew that I had a passion for strength and conditioning and, uh, obviously I did kin and Mac and, you know, through that time there, I decided, yeah, for sure. That's the, the path that I want to go down. And, um, so coming out of it, uh, coming out, I remember I got back from, from the Olympics from Korea and, um, I, uh, immediately started kind of looking for work. Um, you know, kind of like I was up in Guelph at the time. So I was looking for kind of like an SST like place, I guess, up there started doing some work there. Um, and you know, at some point along that run decided like, you know, uh, maybe I want to go out on my own and do, you kind of do my own thing and, uh, you know, go into the, the world of business and, um, you know, kind of took that, took that leap and, uh, that's kind of what, yeah, what I've been doing ever since. How is, um, because like, I don't know if you have any like background in business, how has been that like going from like, like strength and conditioning, like making programs and coaching might become a little easier to you because of your like vast experience in it. And then how, what is like your mindset kind of been changed or has it been changed at all? Um, to like, now you're like a business owner and you're running your own business and also coaching athletes at the same time. Yeah, it's definitely, it's very, it's very different. It's been a big learning curve for me because yeah, I didn't have any business background at all. And, um, I, uh, yeah, so on the business front, I didn't really know what I was doing starting out, and I've been kind of learning as I've as I've been going. Welcome to the club. Yeah, seriously, I, I think that's kind of the case for everybody. It sounds like hang on by the seat of our pants sometimes. <laughs> pretty much, yeah, absolutely, especially in times like these, right? But um, I was very fortunate that I got set up with the opportunity at uh, at Meraki um, to start working there. Um, the owner there, uh, Lindsay Boardman, she used to be a regional manager for a number of Good Life's um, locations back in the day. She ended up going off on her own and opening up uh, Meraki, and um, basically, yeah, I worked there as a you know independent contractor. All the other coaches do the same thing, and so essentially, 
um, you know, she's been, a, she's been an amazing resource for me. Um, as far as the business side of things, she's taught me, taught me a ton, like a bit of a mentor in the, on the business side. Is that, yeah. Kind of a business mentor, um, which has been awesome. She's been the one to, I, th- I think, uh, the biggest thing initially is uh, I think being a, uh, you know, it's like being a young, young coach and everything and, and no, you know, not having that business experience. You, you have, you have issues like necessarily like attributing a certain value to yourself or like how much do I charge and, and, oh, yeah. and all these things, right. Yeah. Asking, you know, asking for money for your time and all that stuff and everything. And so she was able to help me kind of build the confidence to, uh, you know, to do that. And also just to counsel me in terms of like the best approaches to, you know, generate, uh, yeah, generate business and, uh, you know, take care of that side of things. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd say like, it, it's been a, uh, yeah, it, it's different in terms of like being like, you know, when you were, when I was a coach, say at like ST back in the day, I mean, like, you're just kind of, you're there, you're, you're kind of cruising around the floor doing your job. But like now as like a business, it's like, I'm representing my, you know, myself and my, and my business. Um, so I guess there's a certain amount of, you know, pressure that comes with that, I guess. And then there's also, just all the tasks that you, as you know, you guys know, you have to do outside of um, working with athletes, all of the admin stuff, financial work, and all that stuff. The boring it, stuff. The boring stuff, the exactly. awful, monotonous, yeah, boring stuff. Yeah, just total pain to do, but, you know, it has to get done. And, uh, you know, and, and for me right now anyway, it's being a sole proprietor. It's, it's you know, it, it rests on, everything rests on my shoulders. So it's, I'm doing everything. But, yeah. So how many athletes are you coaching? Um, yeah, I'd say like, like now like it's definitely like initially I was, I was working with a lot of, I had some like general population clients and, and, and a few athletes. And now it's like by and far mostly athletes that I work with now, which is kind of where I've been trending my, uh, trending my business. Um, I'd say, I don't know, about like 15 athletes or so. And is it like, are you finding you're getting most athletes from one sport? Like is it football, soccer? Um, it's been pretty, it's been pretty mixed, which has been, which has been neat. Like I, I've had, uh, you know, obviously football, I've had field hockey, soccer. Um, there's a kid that was training with me who's fencing. Um, another kid who I'm training right now, who's uh, table tennis. Um, so it's been, all Olympic sports, eh? Pretty, pretty, pretty much. Yeah. It's like, if it's an Olympic sport, then I do it. If, if not, then I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe you want to train with this guy over here. So, um, yeah, so it's been a, it's been a good mix of athletes and then, uh, yeah, and then there's a couple athletes now that I'm training that are like on the Canadian bobsleigh team. I was gonna me. say, yeah, like was that some, did they reach find you, or did you kind of like were they like track athletes or football athletes that you kind of steered in that direction? Uh, there, well, the the one, so the one, uh, Caden Johnson, he, um, so I actually, so back uh, earlier this year, it feels like five years ago, <laughs> uh, five years ago or like a week ago. It's just like, it's like a time yeah, warp. It is pretty much. Um, I, I, ha- I got a, a contract through a connection with, uh, the university of York to train a few athletes for the CFL combine. Um, and so there was a few athletes that were a part of that. And, um, one of them was this guy, this guy, Caden Johnson, um, super naturally gifted athlete. Um, and he, I, I only really had a couple of t- uh, opportunities, chances to work with them because uh, he, he had already planned to go down to the States to train. Um, and so, but, you know, we, we really hit it off. He's, you know, he's super, super positive dude. And um, anyways, he took off and everything. But we kind of like kept, kept in touch and he ended up getting drafted by the BC Lions. And uh, so he got drafted and then obviously no CFL season. So, but he he'd already had, he had a keen interest in bobsleigh. He'd already been out for a camp. And then, so then all of a sudden he just reached out to me and he said, Hey, listen, like there's bobsleigh testing in a few weeks. 
um, you know, I'd, I'd like to prepare with you for it and everything. And then, so, you know, we got together and then we started training and we, you know, went really well. He did, you know, he did, did well at the camp and, um, you know, he's out there right now, um, you know, as a part of the program, um, not much of a season going on right now, but they're training. And then, uh, you know, when he comes back, we'll get back at it again. And, uh, and then, yeah. And then there's another, uh, female athlete on the team right now that I just started working with recently remotely. Um, she's, she's, she's a new newcomer to the, the program, but wants somebody that kind of knows the sport is familiar with it. And, uh, so I, yeah, I've started doing some remote programming for her as well. So what's like the base, if you want to be a Canadian bobsledder, like, is it, is it based off of speed? Like you're running the hundred meters in like 10, five, or is it like you're explosive off the line? Like what, like, what are they looking at? Yeah. I mean, it, there's a number of measures. So, I mean, for the, like they, they have a, like a physical testing component and they give everybody like a. Um, an athletic performance score based on that. Um, the largest part component of that of that score is the speed component. That's like one of the major things that they're looking for. There's a certain kind of standard that they expect everybody to hit, and they kind of rank you based on the times. And so, um, they in the past it was a they would do a 45 meter sprint, and it would be 15 uh, like a two point roll in sprint, and it would be 15 meters, 30 meters, and 45 splits. And they would usually look mostly at the 30 meter time. I think just in terms of that being you know, somewhat similar to the distance that you're pushing with the sled. Um, and then this year they, they expanded it now to a 60. Um, and then they're looking at like the 30 meter fly. So like looking at more like max velocity capabilities and whatnot. Um, but they, um, so that's, that's a massive component to it. Um, there's like, you know, broad jump, there's max power clean. There's, there's a lot of, basically it's really a mix of, it, the, the the amazing thing about bobsled, I think, is that it's something a sport that kind of covers like you have to be like you have to be pretty solid at like all three aspects um, to be to be a good push athlete. I say because when you think about like a sled, and there, there's a strength coach from the the British team who's a really smart dude, and it was really cool. He posted this this diagram where he talked about a bobsled push and how a bobsled push pretty much covers like the entire force velocity curve. Because it's like it starts off like you have this heavy object that you have to get started from nothing. So it's like high force, low speed, right? So more of like your max strength qualities here. And then and then as you go along, the speed gets faster. So now it's like power, right? And those first few steps are driving out. And it picks up faster and faster and faster to the point where now the sled is going downhill and you're still pushing. So now you're getting into like overspeed. So now you're like high velocity, low force. Like you're basically full sprinting. So like the sport covers that like entire spectrum. So it's like you know, you can have, uh, you know, you can have like sprinters that come in that are like super fast, but like suck at, um, you know, that don't have like good, maybe power qualities or whatever initially that aren't necessarily as effective at pushing. And you could have some people who are very powerful, uh, but maybe not as fast. You still gotta be like pretty fast. You can't, you know, speed is still a very important part of it, but maybe not nearly as fast, um, that can push just as well or better, um, because they can make up for it with some of these other, these other qualities. So it, it's pretty, it's very, it's very interesting, uh, sport in that regard, but it basically, it, it's one of those things where it's training. What I, what I loved about it was it basically, it was like, for me, it was like football training, but like just minus all the things that suck. <laughs> so it was just conditioning. Like, yeah, it was like any yeah. conditioning stuff. It's just out the window. Like it basically is just like sprint fast, lift heavy, jump, jump high, jump high <laughs> yeah. and, and, and push sled, you know, and go for a ride, you know, like go tobogganing. Like it's basically just, yeah, all the stuff that's fun. So. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap up soon okay. here. Um, so you like, obviously you trained a lot, right? 
um what because i remember training with you guys back in the day and i was like oh my god these guys are so fucking strong I'm never, what did they call you back then i don't remember they called me <laughs> pretty nice guy dave <laughs> super nice guy dave yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they called me bitch dave uh, and it's hey trish still calls me that she does still? yeah oh my god <laughs> was, this, was he the one that started it no, I didn't know. I not. Nick, probably, Nick probably Nick. Nick, Nick or Tim. Yeah, too, for sure. Yeah, but Joe definitely didn't put a stop to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I didn't. I, I, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't stand up for Dave. So, but, but but I did tell. I did. I did say to Dave because yeah, you made a comment about it, and I said no. I said I said you're Big Dave now. Yeah. Well, yeah that that B that B has changed. Yeah, it's, B has it's, changed. It's, it's, it's Big Dave. Uh, and then he. Yeah, I think Dave added a D to that too. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Why not? Um. So I remember, I don't remember what the weights you guys were pushing then, but like what I remember just, it was like out of my reach at the time. Now, I don't know. I don't remember. Like what were, what were like your bench and your squad and your clean markers then? Um, like, like what were the numbers that like I was, yeah, like, I was what, hitting? what are your maxes? You just, you just want to know, yeah. What, yeah. what are your maxes, bro? Yeah, yeah, how do you yeah. bench, man? Why else? Yeah, do, yeah, yeah. The, 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 why we do yeah. stuff? It's true. Yeah, good point. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, don't, well, don't, don't make me go down and do it. Do it right now. I'm not I, going I, to. Yeah, you look kind of small now. Yeah, it's true. It, it wouldn't work out well. So, um, what was your body weight then? My body weight. So, I'd say like when I was at my like my my peak physical condition, I guess. So, like Olympic year was when I was at my best. Um, I was about like 215. Somewhere around that. My heaviest in bobsleigh, I was over 220. I was like 224 or something like that. But I think that was a little too heavy uh, for me at the time. Um, but yeah, in terms of lifts, um, best, best back squat was five Oh five. Um, best front squat was four thirty for two. Um, best power clean was 150 kilos. Ooh. Um, best, uh, best, uh, power snatch, which I mean, I, I can't really get into good, good overhead squat position. So I basically am just like catching it standing up, uh, was like hundred kilos. It's pretty good. Yeah, for like yeah, power. For yeah. not being able to like get yeah. down into like an actual mm-hmm. overhead squat. Um uh max bench was three fifty five um at the time. And um What was your max what was your best forty yard sprint? Uh yeah, so we did uh so that was one of the things like when I got into bobsleigh, like I really learned I mean, I like I, I was always like a you know, I was always like pretty fast like football player, but I really my speed really took off when I got to bobsleigh. I learned a lot. Um, I mean, some of the people there are just like insanely fast and, you know, and obviously you have a, you know, a guy like Nick, who's like super, you know, ridiculously quick and other former track athletes. Right. But, um, we did, uh, we did 40 yard dashes one time, um, for fun, I guess for fun, <laughs> uh, it, during one of the summers there. And, uh, I ran a four, four, three. And so damn. we, so we timed it, we timed it like the, like the NFL combine, like they do, they do the, the hand start laser finish. And so we timed like that. I ran four, four, three. And I was like one of the first people to go, and I ran that. And I was like, shoot, okay, damn, because like, because <laughs> when, when, when I was running, when I was when I was in football, like I would get like hand timed at a four five. So you know, my la- my laser was probably more in like the four, you know, maybe four six range or something like that, right? So I was like, shoot, okay, like I'm feeling pretty good about myself. That's a big difference. That's a big difference. That's a big yeah. difference. That's a lot faster. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it made a big difference, right? The t- the style of training we were doing, and also just learning how to run, right? Oh, Being yeah. around these track athletes and that. And then, uh, but then, so then I run and then all of a sudden, like some of the other guys go up there, like, you know, some guys who were like our former, like, like track, like Olympians. And all of a sudden it's like four, two, yeah, four, uh, four, one, eight, right. We, we had two people run four, one, eight at that, at that, at that testing thing, four, two, five, four, two, six, Nick ran like four, two, four or something that just blew it up. Uh, four, three, 
um you know and, and by the end of it like i think i had like one of like kind of like the middle of the pack times like from for bobsleigh standards like i was like i had like decent speed i wasn't like i wasn't like a burner you know what i mean like um but uh yeah some crazy quick guy but like you know but that that was the whole thing when i went to bobsleigh that really like opened my eyes i was like holy christ like i didn't realize how much more there was that you could do because it's like you know four four three what i ran like that's a very like any any field sport player football player would be thrilled with that time like it's 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 a very fast time for a field sport athlete but like in that world it's like oh nice okay that, that's good oh good you ran that good you know what i mean and not uh and, and even like a clean like a power clean like a like a 140 power uh, kg power clean it was like uh like you do it it's like oh good yeah good you finally did that great okay let's move on kind of thing you know what i mean it's just like a totally like a totally different world and and then that's just in canada the international stage they're just some people that you don't even know where they like crawled out of like it's just you have you have like the the latvians like training in the middle of 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 uh like a race week and it's like the day before the race and they're doing like clean triples with 160 <laughs> and you're like what the hell is going on here and then they go out the next day and they and push a, a push record yeah and you're like what is going on here like just just mutants it doesn't, it doesn't make any <laughs> sense like I, I watched there's the uh the, the swiss pilot um this guy uh beat hefty great great name that's a yeah that is a <laughs> yeah that, that, that's a, that's a name for uh that's a name that's, a name. that's just a name, name for an athlete name for an athlete in general the guy doesn't you got you, you look at him you think like this guy's not an athlete i mean if you look at if you look at the top up you're like what does this guy do um but like bottom half just like like the hugest ass and legs and he used to be a former track guy and you would um there was one time I remember he came down um, into the parking garage. Uh, That's where we did most of our lifting and stuff, just in the parking garage of these hotels we stayed in. And uh, he, the the Swiss were kind of they were using our um, our equipment, our lifting equipment. He had uh, like Achilles tendonitis or something like that. So he's like going down there with the physio, and he walks over there, and I think he's just kind of testing it out and everything. And so he like he goes to the bar, he puts like a plate aside on, he takes it, he's repping it out, just kind of cruising, puts it on, puts two plates on, going three four five and it's like he has like probably like 220 on the bar you know what i mean so like 480 you know 490 pounds or something like that and he's just like one two three puts it on there and he's like hmm, yeah okay yeah and they just get <laughs> and then they walk off and i'm like what the hell is that and then, and then and then and then and then you see him warming up in the parking lot after and he's flying like just like full sprint like just you're like holy christ this guy can move you can you can sprint too it's insane like it doesn't make sense some of these people i don't know it's crazy yeah well it also like goes to show like um like those guys were were the best in the world at, at that sport right yes like yeah. he, like you like you comparing yourself like in into the other canadians that were in bobsled and you're like middle of pack and then those guys who are great athletes that were the best in canada like they're like middle of pack international yeah um so it just like goes to show like um like some of these like monsters and like some of these freak athletes that are that are in the world yeah well, Joe, it's been uh, it was a been great having you on. Um, yeah, it was a good time. Man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having um, me. Where where can people find you? Like, if they want to like sprint like Joe, or if they want to be lightning fast, run those four four three times. <laughs> I want the one fifty power clean. You want the one fifty power clean? Me too. Yeah, I guess you can find me. Uh, I mean, mostly on on Instagram at Excel Training. Um, yeah, that's where I, I post most of my, uh, content. I'll, I'll have good information so. too. Like you post a lot of good sprinting stuff, which I, I, I learned a lot. Thank you. Steel. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blatantly steal. That's I, right. I, yeah, I taught Joe everything he knows. Sla- slaps hammer string <laughs> on it and everything. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Yeah. Didn't I make a post about that the other day? No. Oh. Uh, yeah. So th- uh, th- thanks for coming in and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Sounds great, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to episode three of the Canadian Strength Cast. Joe was a tremendous athlete and is creating quite a name for himself as a strength and speed coach. He is filled with a ton of knowledge on speed training and we'll definitely have him back on. I also wanted to thank all the athletes and volunteers who helped us put on the Max Log and Deadlift event. We've had great reviews so far and are already planning our next events. Also, if you like our episode and would like to hear more, subscribe to the podcast and give us some feedback. It would be greatly appreciated. Have a good day.